This is not going to be a pleasant experience. You are going to see and hear things that are not going to be very nice. Experts divide serial killing into two general types: organized and disorganized. An organized killer brings everything he needs to complete the murder. A disorganized killer improvises. Begin. Listener discretion is advised. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny, and Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail, from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com/system all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com/system. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Did you know that supporting your health can be as easy as taking two capsules a day? Each daily dose of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is formulated with 24 scientifically studied probiotic strains that support gut, skin, and heart health, helping you start the new year off right. Visit seed.com/spotify and use code Spotify25 to get 25% off your first month. Happy New Year! And now for today's case. In early 1974, 21-year-old Taylor Eugene Courtney lived alone in an apartment in Phoenix, Arizona. Courtney worked as a welder. By all accounts, he was a nice young man who avoided trouble. He didn't do drugs, he didn't drink, and he didn't go to bars. Courtney grew up in Ajo, Arizona, which is about 110 miles southwest of Phoenix. He often drove home on the weekends to see his family. His family became worried when he didn't come home on the second weekend of January, and he didn't call. So his family contacted the police, but the police didn't take the call too seriously. After all, a 21-year-old man 
blowing off his parents for a weekend wasn't exactly a reason to panic. Then, on January 15, 1974, the police in Phoenix were called because a pickup truck had been abandoned on a street. The truck was on blocks and the tires were missing. The passenger door was open. Inside the cab of the truck was a considerable amount of blood. The police learned that the truck was registered to 21-year-old Taylor Courtney, who lived about three miles from where the truck was found. The police went to his apartment, and when no one answered the door, they entered it. Courtney's apartment was bathed in blood. It was like something out of a horror movie. The officers found the dead body of Taylor Courtney face down on his bedroom floor. The homicide detectives turned over the body to inspect it. If the crime scene wasn't shocking enough, the detectives were treated to another shock. Taylor's penis, scrotum, and testicles had been cut off. The officers searched the apartment and they couldn't find them. It appeared that the killer took the genitals with him. The medical examiner determined that Taylor had been dead for six days. He had been shot in the head three times and stabbed six times. Then his genitals were removed post-mortem. Based on the amount of blood in the truck, the police surmised that he was shot and stabbed in his truck and then dragged into his apartment where he was mutilated. The police technicians found several fingerprints, including some in blood. The problem was that there was no computerized fingerprint system at the time so fingerprint comparisons had to be done manually. This was only helpful if the police had a suspect and they could compare the fingerprints. Unfortunately, in Courtney's case, they had no suspects. Courtney stayed away from trouble, and no one the police interviewed knew why someone would want to kill him, especially in such a grisly fashion. Without any leads, Taylor Courtney's case went cold. Here is a quick word from our sponsor. We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems. Classic functional medicine back to basics health tips and special updates from the best doctors in the United States of America. Check out this health and wellness podcast shows. Explore Health Talk Weekly, Healthy Lifestyle Matters, Excellent Health Digest, Healthy and Free Daily and last but not least, Weekly Health and Fitness Corner. Also, check out Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told Fiction Podcast, for that real life on the go experience with the 27-year-old golden boy, who made our guest invite number one list. He tells us about his story as it happens in real time and in real life. It's Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show. Twenty-one years went by, and then in 1995, a cold case detective decided to look at Taylor Cordy's file. A lot had changed in those 21 years. 
In those 21 years, a computerized fingerprint database was created and the Phoenix Police Department was utilizing it. It's called the Automated Fingerprint Identification System, also known as APHIS. When cold case investigator Ed Reynolds reopened Taylor Courtney's case, one of the first things he did was send the 17 unidentified fingerprint lifts to the department's fingerprint expert. The expert found two prints that had enough points of interest to run in APHIS. On October 11, 1995, she ran the fingerprints He got a hit on one of the prints. It belonged to a man named Larry Gibson. Gibson had been a high school friend of Courtney's. Gibson had been arrested in 1977 for armed robbery at a convenience store, and that's why his fingerprints were in the system. He ended up serving 17 years in prison for the robbery. The print was from his left index finger and was found on the screen door of Courtney's apartment. This was problematic for Detective Reynolds because Gibson was a friend of Courtney's. His fingerprint could have gone on the door at any time when he was merely visiting Courtney. But it was Reynolds' best lead, so he decided to pursue it. He spent a year investigating Larry Gibson. During the investigation, Detective Reynolds thought, why would the killer cut off and take Courtney's genitals? One theory he came up with was that Courtney may have been having sexual relations with a woman who was in a relationship with another man. Or a jealous boyfriend or husband thought that Courtney was having sexual relations with their significant other. So he killed and sexually mutilated Courtney to make a statement. Since Gibson was Reynolds' only suspect, he tracked down the woman Gibson was married to at the time of the murder, Elena Bennett. When Courtney was killed, Gibson and Bennett were separated, but still legally married. On April 29, 1996, Reynolds interviewed Bennett. Here's a recording of the actual interview. The first voice you'll hear is Detective Reynolds. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Was he violent? Hyperviolent? After I made the decision to divorce him, uh, he became violent. And how would he show his anger? What forms? He would beat me. Is this hard for you? Yes. Bennett told Reynolds that Gibson thought she was having an affair with Courtney, but she wasn't. Then she told Reynolds about a disturbing altercation she had with Gibson about two weeks after the murder. I was laying there and he came in the bedroom and he asked me, what are you doing? And I opened my eyes. I was just on the verge of going to sleep. I opened my eyes and there was a double barrel shotgun pointed at my head. She said that Gibson pointed a double barrel shotgun at her head. Was he alone? Yes. What did he do? He held it next to my head. He wanted he wanted to have sex and I wouldn't 
She says she was fighting with Gibson. Then Gibson tied her up. Did he have anything with him besides the shotgun? Gibson was armed with a knife. When she was tied to the bed, he raped her. During the assault, Gibson asked her what she knew about Courtney's murder. Bennett denied knowing anything about it. When Gibson was done, and just before he was getting ready to leave the apartment, he handed Bennett a box. The detective asked Bennett what was in the box, but she wouldn't tell him. The interview ended a short time later. Two months later, the detective and Bennett spoke on the phone. She was ready to talk about the package. I remember what was in the package. What was in the package? It was the body pieces. Okay. That's pretty hard for you to say, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Now, let's be a little bit more specific. You said the body pieces. Just for the sake of it, what body pieces are you talking about? It looked like a big thumb. A big finger. But it wasn't a finger, was it? No. What was it? It was the penis. Okay. And were there testicles there also? Yes. Did you ever confront him with why he gave you a penis and testicles? No, never, ever. Not ever. Did he have any smart comment to make to you when he gave it to you? He smiled and he said, this is from my mom's house. Can I go ahead and keep it in your... In your freezer. Bennett said that after that night, Gibson called her several times and asked her if she ever looked in the box. He then asked her what she did with it, and she said she had incinerated it. Detective Reynolds then decided it was time to talk to Larry Gibson. He interviewed him on June 21st, 1996. One thing he wanted to do was see if there was a logical explanation as to why his fingerprint was on Courtney's screen door. Here is a quick word from our sponsor. We take this few seconds off to inform you, our valued loyal listener, about the best health and fitness podcast shows from the Nespod Studios. Join us as we give you the best of the best health and wellness updates you can rely on for the treatment of chronic health problems. Classic functional medicine back to basics health tips and special updates from the best doctors in the United States of America. Check out this health and wellness podcast shows. Explore Health Talk Weekly, Healthy Lifestyle Matters, Excellent Health Digest, Healthy and Free Daily and last but not least, Weekly Health and Fitness Corner. Also, check out Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told Fiction Podcast, for that real life on the go experience with the 27-year-old golden boy, who made our guest invite number one list. He tells us about his story as it happens in real time and in real life. It's Nasty Boy CC The Truest Story Never Told. Go get a load of that happiness because happiness is healthy as we know it. Join us every week as we continue to provide you the best of health and fitness wellness updates from around the globe. Enjoy the show.
Once again, the first voice you'll hear is Detective Reynolds. Do you know where he lived at in Phoenix when he was killed? No, except for what I read in the paper on Campbell. Okay. Campbell. So you didn't associate very much with him at all? Not after he moved to Phoenix. Okay. He then asked him about the story Elena Bennett told him that happened two weeks after the murder. You held your wife hostage in her home at the barrel end of a shotgun. And you tied her to the bed and you raped her. I did not. Rounds that went back to questioning him about the fingerprint evidence. You have never been to Taylor's apartment? Never. 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 Had never been there. And how'd your fingerprints get in there? I don't know. They're in there. I had never been there. They're in there. I had never been there. It took me 22 years to get those fingerprints identified and they're your fingerprints. I had never been there. Larry Gibson was subsequently charged with first-degree murder. He went to trial on December 3rd, 1998, 24 years after the murder. The trial lasted seven days. The evidence against him was the single fingerprint and the fact that he told Detective Reynolds he had never been to Courtney's home. The prosecution said that the only reason he had to lie was because he had killed Courtney. Elena Bennett also testified regarding the box with the genitals. The jury found Larry Gibson guilty of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to life in prison. In April 2000, Gibson did a phone interview with AETV's cold case files from prison. He denied ever giving Bennett the package she described, and he claimed he was innocent. If you couldn't make out what he was saying, Gibson says, I'm not angry at my ex-wife. She said what she thought was right. I can't change what she said or her opinion of me. I'm angry at Reynolds. I'm angry with the system for putting me in prison for something I didn't do. But he still couldn't explain how his fingerprints were found on the screen door. Gibson said, I wish I could. Like I said, it's, there's a possibility that someone could have lived there before Taylor Courtney and I could have went over to see them. Larry Gibson died in prison in January 2009 at the age of 58. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you. We have a great show today, but first, take a second to make sure you've subscribed to our show wherever you're listening to podcasts. It's the best way to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. Thanks. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.